All right. Welcome back. Um, thank you for being here. Welcome to 2020. Today is the 26th reading class episode of Tao uh, Te Ching. And today we're going to go through chapter 66, 67, 68. And we just have about five more classes or so. And then we'll be concluding the reading through of Tao uh, Te Ching. Um, a few notes. Um, the uh, bamboo cutter woman is... Uh, uh, in the bamboo, bamboo grove to my right, <laughs> outside the window, with uh, Chinese music blaring out of her radio. And so you may hear hacking at bamboo, as well as uh, uh, wafting echoes of uh, traditional Chinese music or Chinese uh, folk music uh, periodically here. <laughs> There's always action, action in the forest. So, actually, you know what? I'm going to actually close this window because uh, it's a little too active for me. Okay, that helps. I hope everybody had a good New Year and Christmas and or holiday. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the West or the U.S., is at war again and uh, it's just starting up and uh, where it goes nobody knows and uh, some balance between self-preservation and um, heavily distorted aggression violent-mindedness seems to be what's going on but that's a talk for another class so let's jump in Dao De Ching, chapter 66, um, you will see in, the, in these three for today that Whaley's translation has some problem. Um, I think he was getting tired <laughs> by this time, Mr. Arthur, um, moving towards the end of the full 81 chapters. Uh, I have a feeling that <laughs> Arthur Whaley was getting a little tired at this point, and so we're in a little of a low phase in terms of quality of his translations, I think. Um, in these chapters uh, recently and now. so we'll, But we'll do both translations. So, Tao Te Ching, chapter 66. Arthur Whaley, translation first. How did the great rivers and seas get their kingship over the hundred lesser streams through the merit of being lower than they? That was how they got their kingship. Therefore the sage, in order to be above the people, must speak as though he were lower than the people. In order to guide them, he must put himself behind them. Only thus can the sage be on top, and the people not be crushed by his weight. Only thus can he guide, and the people not be led into harm. Indeed, in this way, everything under heaven will into harm be pushed by him and will not find his guidance irksome. That's a, that's a very strange line, maybe a mistranslation. This he does by not striving, and because he does not strive, none can contend with him. <coughs> so we've seen that idea before. Um, 
the way uh, to um, be free of conflict is to not seek in a um, strongly ambitious, direct, uh, aggressive way. Meaning, if, if, because he doesn't strive, nobody struggles with him. Because he doesn't struggle, he has no struggle, or nobody struggles with him, because that's just not the type of approach he's making. And so, if you want to be on top, be on the bottom. If you want to be in the front, be in the back. And that's, again, <clears throat> making use of the yin-yang polarity associated with uh, temporal progression, meaning the chained, phenomenal change. Right, Day goes to night, night goes to day. Front goes to back, or people in the front slow down and become in the back, and people in the back make quicken or change and time be in the front. <clears throat> uh, great exertion leads to exhaustion, and great rest leads to great power. Okay, <clears throat> so uh, the yin goes to the yang, the yang goes to the yin, that's natural. And um, if you want something great, um, appreciate it. Appreciate the small, or if you want to avoid trouble, uh, don't act in certain ways that generate conflict. Um, you can achieve without hard pushing. And so, to some degree, at a, at a more secular level, this is saying the light touch is valuable. <laughs> in a non-metaphysical way, from the psychological or wisdom of life perspective, which is one way to read Tao Te Ching, uh, not particularly metaphysical, but just uh, psychosocial or, uh, you know, guidance for living uh, a healthy, happy life. Uh, it's the light touch. It's um, being more careful, um, not provoking conflict, um, seeking in a very... Um, non-obstructive, non-threatening way. <clears throat> so the image is great rivers and seas as king over the hundred lesser streams, right? The great body of water is um, greater, <laughs> bigger, or more valuable, let's say. I don't know what their view is here. How is it kingship? Kingship over streams. So of course it's all uh, symbolic and, and a little bit literary. Uh, generally, the people who want kingship over others are not Taoist-minded, are not uh, seeking win-win, but they're seeking domination and control. So immediately there's some kind of um, <laughs> conceptual or philosophical conflict here because really the Taoist doesn't seek kingship at all. And the Taoist doesn't really seek to tell people what to do and be above people, uh, the sage is on top, he can guide. Well, I don't, I don't want to be arrogant, you know, <laughs> and, and maybe I know something and I can help some people, but um, I don't want, you know, to dominate and control. I don't. And um, people who are interested in being higher and being in the front and being of kingship and uh, being the guide usually um, come from psychological <laughs> obstruction or lower triad blockage and um, service to self tendency, 
or lack of love wisdom or spiritual immaturity or 3D repeating, as we've said before. So it's nothing very high about um, wanting to be a king leading on top and guiding and telling people what to do. So there's some kind of internal contradiction there. But in general, it's also true. Um, if you want to have a positive influence, don't make trouble. <laughs> and in therapy, uh, the therapist presumably wants to help. If you just tell people what to do or what the truth, what the truth is, as far as you see, that's not so great. And so the, the wise uh, counselor um, follows along the narrative of the client or the patient. The good friend follows along listening carefully to get a sense of what's going on with the speaker, their friend who's talking, right? You want to help somebody. <laughs> the first thing is to understand what the hell's going on, meaning uh, turn your attention to understand the other, which means following, not leading, which means listening, not speaking, which means being receptive, not transmissive or expressive. Expressing receptivity, <laughs> not uh, control-based uh, direction or directives. So this is very practical in terms of uh, being able to help people. Uh, if you want to help yourself, um, you better be quiet and get a sense of what's going on for you. How am I feeling? Not what should I do. I can figure out later what I should do after I know what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking what is going on here for me? What am I seeing? So if somebody says something and I feel upset, the first question is, um, what do I think I'm upset about? Which <laughs> is not like reaction or speaking or leading or controlling, but internally looking to determine what am I upset? What do I think I'm upset about? <laughs> well, you said that and I feel hurt. Well, did better I better take the next step look clearly how realistic is my opinion of what's going on here which is why I'm upset so I think meaning I'm upset you said something or you did something and I feel bad what's really going on here well he she or the other mm, did something that I don't like did something I wish they didn't do um, why did they do it <laughs> you better look at that because then you know <clears throat> where that other person's coming from and you better look at why why it is that that's so upsetting to you and and then you can understand whether your perspective or your opinion of what's going on is real or false or my view of what they're doing or their where they're coming from is true or false meaning you better understand what's really happening rather than presuming that, that your, sh your preliminary or initial understanding or opinion is correct, because it may be quite incorrect, you always say things like that and you always try to hurt me. Or, I thought you loved me, but you really don't. Is that true? <laughs> you better look into it. Otherwise, you're just, you know, um, a few inches off at the beginning uh, to be miles off the truth at the end. And so... In order to, I don't, I'm not interested in being above people. And, you know, it's nice to guide people or help people. But if you dominate them, you can't. And um, there's got to be <clears throat> a balance between speaking and listening. 
but there surely needs to be understanding before any helpful speaking. And that's a, a very sort of one way of applying uh, some of the teaching of 66 here. Let me look at D.C. Lao, <clears throat> Tao Te Ching 66. The reason why the river and the sea are able to be king of the hundred valleys is that they excel in taking the lower position. Hence, they are able to be king of the hundred valleys. Therefore, desiring to rule over the people, one must, in one's words, humble oneself before them. And, desiring to lead the people, one must, in one's person, follow behind them. Therefore, <clears throat> the sage takes his place over the people, yet is no burden, takes his place ahead of the people, yet causes no obstruction. That is why the empire supports him joyfully and never tires of doing so. It is because he does not contend that no one in the empire is in a position to contend with him. There's some Taoist saying somewhere, something like, uh, you only turn people into liars by not believing them. <laughs> and so, um, I don't know, Gongsi Confucius had said somewhere in the Analects, uh, maybe something like that, or somebody, Tao, some Zhongzi talking about Confucius, something like, uh, from the good man I can learn, from the bad man I too can learn, from the uh, wise good man, from the fool and bad man, I too can learn. I can learn from both. I can be of service to both. I can uh, see the liar as honest. Meaning, I see that he's honestly a liar. <laughs> I, I see that he's lying. Therefore, I see him truly. Uh, I know that he's not honest. And yet, I understand why it is that he's honestly lying. Honestly lying, meaning truly lying, meaning sincerely lying. Even if he's a trickster, he's really a trickster. <laughs> By that, um, I believe him. I don't believe what he says, but I believe I know where he's coming from. And by that, I can know how to handle him or work with him appropriately. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be with him in the same way that I am with somebody who's honest and good, nor with someone who's far more evolved than I am, nor, more, nor someone who's far less evolved, it appears, than I am. Something like that. Because, I mean, honestly, there are people more evolved than us, there are people less. And in particular qualities, it's the nitty-gritty. There are some people that are far more accepting and um, open and flexible and loving than us. There are some that are far more wise and knowing and clear than us. <clears throat> and there are those who are less. Um, it's important to see that clearly. So, I don't think that the... I mean, frankly, there's no Taoist that I've ever <laughs> met that desires to rule over people and desires to lead people. So immediately there's some problem here. I don't think a sage wishes to have a place over people. However, <laughs> from a higher perspective, the, the true sage is far greater in development of love and wisdom and spiritual awareness and morality and capacity to help. The, the sage <laughs> is in a position of greater development by being a sage, if he or she is really a sage. But they're no burden 
because they're a sage. <laughs> this, the true sage is naturally no burden, but I don't think they desire to rule or lead, actually. But then sometimes that does happen, meaning a higher soul comes in and has a position of authority and uh, does his or her best with it. And that's the end of that. <clears throat> and so, but but it's it bears reflection, this phrase, it's because he does not contend that no one in the empire is in a position to contend with him. And so, if you don't want to, to have struggle or strife, uh, eliminate tendencies of, of ambition and seeking and action that are associated with struggle and strife. <laughs> yeah, that's not too difficult. So, take responsibility and be careful. And the Taoist certainly... Um, is the one who doesn't seek to make any trouble. So, let's go to 67. How's the time? Dao uh, <clears throat> De Ching, chapter 67, first from Arthur Whaley. And you'll see that these, are, these few here are very similar. Everyone under heaven says that our way, our Tao, is greatly like folly. But it's just because it is great that it seems like folly. As for things that do not seem like folly, well, there can be no question about their smallness. Here are my three, here are my three treasures. <clears throat> Guard and keep them. The first is pity, the second frugality, the third refusal to be, quote, foremost of all things under heaven, end quote. For only he that, <clears throat> he that pities is truly able to be brave. Only he that is frugal is able to be profuse, it means generous. Only he that is, he that refuse, <laughs> he that refuses to be foremost of all things, is truly able to become chief of all ministers. At present, your bravery is not based on pity, nor your profusion on frugality, nor your vanguard on the rear, and this is death. But pity cannot fight without conquering or guard without okay. but pity cannot fight without conquering or guard without saving there's some, clearly some trouble here with the translation heaven arms with pity those whom it would see not destroyed <clears throat> so the three you can see that the translation's a little a little um, troubled I think uh, pity, frugality, and refusal to be foremost of all things under heaven. So pity is compassion and empathy and feeling with others, and and it's it's clearly uh, the second of the four Brahma Viharas, uh, <clears throat> uh, karuna, compassion, empathy, which basically means uh, I feel pain when you feel pain. Uh, the third, of course, uh, I believe Mudita, is uh, I feel happy when you feel happy. I'm happy you're happy, and I feel pain that you're in pain. And pity, therefore, is this uh, open-heart sensitivity to the process of people around us, and, and global process, or animals around us. Uh, sensitivity, emotional, emotional, mental, spiritual sensitivity to the pain of others, any others. That changes a lot <laughs> when when 
when one develops that, or the more one develops that, which is just green ray heart chakra, um, one changes uh, muchly. Um, a friend long ago who was very developed once said, um, "The way you know you'll be, the way you know you'll know that you are continuing to spiritually develop." is that you'll naturally feel more compassion and care for others' feelings. Which is basically saying, the way you'll know you're evolving is that heart chakra is more developed because that's the next step up from the lower triad. Hey, hey, going from one to seven, root to crown, well, um, we first uh, clear lower triad blockage and arrive at green ray. Four, then five, then six. That's the first center, energy center that <clears throat> receives the upward spiraling light as greater uh, lower triad blockage is eliminated. Hey. <clears throat> and so the way you know you're more developed is that you naturally feel more with people and feel their pain more and feel them more and therefore have sensitivity to the feeling level of experience in general. And that's all associated with pity. Frugality is, is basically um, not needing much. <laughs> content as is. Increasingly content as is. Uh, I, can, I, I can live with it. <laughs> I don't need uh, more, more, more. Or bigger, bigger, bigger. I don't need to lead. I don't need to guide. I don't need to be known. I don't need to have more. Um, I'm quite fine here. And so it's frugality. It it there's there's uh, the wisdom of uh, not overspending, or not overdoing, or not overeating, or not over excessively in anything, and that's sort of learning frugality, or learning modesty. It it's very much the word um, prudence, <laughs> and um, the Christian. The, the, there's a deep Christian understanding of prudence, dear prudence, and so um, personally, I don't, I wouldn't recommend uh, starving oneself. And Gautama, of course, always taught middle way between excess and deficiency, or uh, stuffing yourself and starving yourself, or uh, going too far and going too not far enough. Frugality is, is some very deep understanding that <clears throat> um, the present, I mean, it depends on the situation, obviously. The, the, it, it, knowing knowing um, contentment when it's truly possible. Uh, if your house is burning down uh, and you say, oh, I'm frugal because I'll live under a tree in the dirt, but you don't really want that. <laughs> that's not frugality. That's fooling yourself or trying to put a lie on yourself and being dishonest with yourself. But uh, frugality, I think the spirit really is uh, appreciation of what I have or what is here now. Deeper appreciation of what's here now. Uh, I remember riding in the van... <laughs> coming down the mountainside from Daibosatsu Zendo in 81, 80, I guess, it was, I don't know, one of those years, 82, 81, 82, 83. 
after a session or a long meditation week, very intensive, very hardcore in the monastery, and looking at the sideboard, <laughs> the the <clears throat> sideboard <clears throat> uh, cheapo metal unupholstered of this suburban <laughs> 1970s weird kind of van that they had to go down to the town and pick up groceries and whatever they needed and come back and realizing how beautiful it was <laughs> that I wouldn't need a Mercedes or a fancy car how beautiful this exposed piece of metal um, raw cheapo 1970s used suburban sideboard car metal is how pretty, how lovely it was. <clears throat> Why would anybody need a fancy car? <laughs> because I was in a certain state of mind where I could see the great beauty of what is and saw the sideboard of that suburban as exquisitely beautiful <laughs> bumping down the mountain road. Um, I also had the experience, which is a very heavy experience, actually, that... Uh, I and the car were not moving through space and objects, but space and objects were moving through me. Meaning, I was stationary, we were in the car going down the mountain, I'm in the passenger seat in the back. <clears throat> I didn't, I had the experience that I and the car, or I, was stationary, and the environment was coming through me like a video game, coming like a sitting on a video game when things are just coming through us and I'm not moving. It was very heavy. Um, I... <laughs> uh, the, the, the unmoving... The, the unmoving... The metaphysical nature of identity as unmoving. Yeah, I as unmoving subject while the, ec the external field was moving through me, was coming and going from the front to the back. And that was very trippy and um, joyous, actually. So, that's not frugality. That's uh, <laughs> expanded consciousness. Uh, and, you know, I mean, these experiences change one. <laughs> these, these, you know, real, real metaphysical or paranormal experience changes mind permanently. Just like a greater expand, greater heart, green ray, heart chakra activation changes one permanently. And so, to the degree that heart chakra is activated and I feel your pain as my pain now. Your pain now is my pain now. Um, conduct is modified, you know, appropriately. <clears throat> I don't want to cause you pain because I'm causing me pain in the moment. Causing you pain. Or being catalyst to your pain. Being catalyst to your pain causes me pain right now. And if, if, if that's the case, that changes one. And it takes a, a long time, actually, to reconfigure one's understanding of right action um, while some desires are gone and some desires are hobbled. Um, it's very complicated. Anyway, and then finally, refusal to be foremost is a, is a refusal. Uh, basically, I'm not going to be your boss. I don't want to be your boss. You do your thing, I do my thing. Let's, let's have mutuality not domination. And so, he that pities, only he that pities is truly able to be brave. Uh, only one with heart chakra love and care um, really knows strength and courage. You know, so to 
Jesus who gave his life for his friends, right? There's nothing higher than to give one's life for one's friends. Um, that's deep love, so-called pity, compassion, and courage. Only one that's frugal is able to be profuse. So it's almost like you can't really... Uh, it's it's um, In Buddhism it's understood, I think a, a number of philosophical traditions or spiritual traditions understand... Uh, the generosity of the super rich may not mean as much the, the, uh, a super rich fellow giving the library like the Sealy Mud Library at Oberlin the Sealy Mud, this is the guy's name Sealy Mud, how about that he gave a library or he gave the money for the library or something that gift may not be as valuable as the poor man who gives um, donation to the temple like uh, in, in the movie City of Ghosts, great movie, the trike driver. And so um, only one that appreciates the small can be trusted with the great. Only one that um, is modest can be safely lavish, can, 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 can safely experience luxury. Safely meaning without harming self and other. Uh, only one, I mean, you know, the only guy who should be the ruler is the guy who couldn't give a shit about being the ruler, actually, like Gautama. You think he needs to be at the head of a Sangha? You know, initially he didn't even want to stay. It's said that only Brahma, or one of the gods, Brahman, Brahma, one of, one of the king, Sakya, the king of gods, or somebody, uh, implored Gautama to not leave or to not disappear off into uh, Nibban uh, right after awakening. And only that imploring kept him from leaving Earth and being the Buddha Gautama doing these teachings of Bodhidhamma. Initially, after awakening, his natural line of least resistance was to leave. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because, um, I don't know if anybody has ever experienced bliss, but it's quite complete. <laughs> bliss is complete. There's no sense of there's something needing, there's no more craving. And so there's no more tanha, thirst, or hunger. And so there's the sense, ah, uh, <laughs> what else do I need other than staying here? This is perfect. Or, you know, bliss is bliss, it's the end of the line. Not really, but it feels like the end of the line. And um, he initially, Gautama initially wanted, he was in the bliss of Nibban for, for a week, something like that. And then one of the gods came down, or one of the higher maybe one of the bosses of the confederation or somebody from the council of saturn came in and uh, said you know <laughs> there's a bunch of fuck-ups here you might want to help some and some don't have much dust in their eyes gautama basically first thought this this truth is too subtle this this is this truth is too subtle nobody will get it and also bliss is kind of nice and wow 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 so uh, initially, he was uh, not interested in teaching, uh, and then did, uh, because yes, some people can, uh, you know, make the break, make make the breakthrough. But but the re the truth of nibbana, the deathless, I I is profoundly subtle, because I it's not a thing; it's the reality of um, uh, trans conceptual reality. <laughs> the reality of reality, right? the reality of what is beyond uh, conceptualization 
being the true nature of all that's conceived. And the notion <laughs> even that there's many, or the perception of manyness being illusory, um, things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. That's a pretty hard teaching. Things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. So, <laughs> uh, but but because he's not interested in leading, he's most qualified to be the leader. And so, anyway, let me <laughs> go on. I didn't speak for a few weeks, so I'm uh, over-speaking. Lao, Dao De Ching, 67. The whole world says that my way, my Tao, is vast and resembles nothing. It is because it is vast that it resembles nothing. If it resembled anything, it would, long before now, have become small. I have three treasures which I hold and cherish. The first is known as compassion. The second is known as frugality. The third is known as not daring to take the lead in the empire. <clears throat> Being compassionate, one could afford to be courageous. Being frugal, one could afford to extend one's territory. Not daring to take the lead in the empire, one could afford to be lord over the vassals, not vessels. Now, <clears throat> to forsake compassion for courage, to forsake frugality for expansion, to forsake the rear for the lead is sure to end in death. Through compassion, one will triumph in attack and be impregnable in defense. What heaven succors, it protects with the gift of compassion. So, <laughs> D.C. Lau is pulling ahead of Arthur here at the end. So, three treasures. Well, let me go. It's Not only is it nicely... Um, Lay, not nicely laid out in several paragraphs, but I think his translation is clearer and better. Uh, number one, what they say about us, uh, how I'm seen by the collective. This is a phenomenon. <laughs> this is something to be taken into account. Uh, it's a reality of our experience, how people see us, and how we feel how we feel about how they see us, or how we feel about how we think they see us and think about us. <laughs> Sometimes we feel something, or pain, or grief, or angst, at how we think they see us and think about us, when really they don't think about us or see us as we imagine they do. So people get totally upset about falsehood sometimes and I think they're looking down on me you know the reality is they hardly give you a look <laughs> I realized this many years ago <clears throat> when I was working through self-consciousness so-called meaning uh, feeling shy or something about how people are looking at me <clears throat> the reality is most people don't give a shit about anybody else actually I mean if you fall down they'll help you but if you don't fall down, they really don't care. Generally, that's what I've seen. Most people are not uh, actively compassion-seeking to be of benefit and caring, sensitive to those around them as a default mode. So the reality, the, the, the thought that um, I'm 
I feel bad because I feel or think they're looking down on me or thinking bad of me. In many cases, that's not true. It's simply not true. They're, they notice you, they might have a judgment, then they look away and they forgot you. Commonly, we overplay in imagination how we think others are seeing us. It's commonly not true, what we think. I mean, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're seeing, you're, you're opining correctly, you know? Make sure that you're seeing things, interpreting correctly. Otherwise, you'll get off on emotional reactions based on, on false seeing, false belief. And so, the whole world says, my way is vast and looks like nothing. <laughs> this is the Taoist who basically is, um, looks like anyone else and doesn't... It's like the, the yogi out of robe. The, the, the one with robes. Some, some, some. Some of those, certainly you see it in the West and the East. Uh, <laughs> Westerners, and, and Easterners do it sometimes, but it's more common now in the West. Take on the robes. The ochre robe, the red maroon robe, Tibetan, the uh, orange sannyasi sadhu robe, <clears throat> the ash of the naked ascetic, uh, the, uh, the black and white of the uh, Buddhist, you know, the Japanese Zen monk, um, and then are seen a certain way. Um, it's important to get a sense of how important it is to you, how people see you, and put the reality of how I'm seen by others in its proper place in one's values. Meaning, how important really is it how people see you? Well, I think it's less important than being true to myself. And so, the whole world says, my Tao is vast or great, but it has no form. It looks like nothing. But only because it's so great, it doesn't, it's not limited to, it resembles nothing. Meaning, it doesn't look like anything in particular. And so, <laughs> The great, the great one uh, doesn't need a robe to feel good. They may be in robe because they love the community and they're, they're great, wonderful. But um, the more, uh, it's, it's very akin to Ross saying that uh, experience of strong sensation uh, or itchy, or something, an abnormal sensation, certain particular sensation at the third eye forehead indicates uh, unblocking of sixth chakra. When the unblocking is complete, nothing is felt. When there's no more unblocking, there's no more feeling, or paranormal sensation in the forehead. Likewise, um, the one that's really finished looks very ordinary. You look at Webu Sayadaw and look like, uh, particularly Webu Sayadaw. <clears throat> uh, Ajahn Lee Damodaro shows it a bit, but particularly Webu Sayadaw looks like a very ordinary fellow. He looks like a, a, just a nice grandfather, a nice, you know, relative. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's an Arhant. <laughs> so, uh, the greater the development, uh, the, the greater the formless appearance or the lack of, of fixed quality to be apprehended. 
if it resembled anything, it would have been small. It would have been form-based. It would have been limited. So three chesers, this may be a patched-up chapter. Compassion or pity, frugality or, I would say, um, contentment. And then not daring to take the lead, which is um, kind of modesty, I'd say. Uh, <clears throat> and then that, that connection between caring and bravery. So it's like if you don't fear death, you can be the most brave. If you care about people um, deeply or care about yourself or have deep care, um, one may have great power available. And that's the link between fourth and sixth ray. Being frugal, <clears throat> one can extend one's territory, and I think we've gone over that, that um, one can be safely entrusted with um, much quantity when one is not attached to gain. Uh, and that's that's commonly, it's sort of like um, the one who should be the ruler is the one who has no thirsting to be the ruler. And the people who are generally in positions of power everywhere, including in religious organizations, commonly, not all, but commonly, uh, are those who have ambition to be in such a position. Anyway, um, if you have courage without compassion, or you expand without deep contentment, or uh, take the lead without appreciating following, you're going to have trouble. All that is sure to end in death or failure. And so, this is a very, you know, you, you can't stay in balance unless you appreciate the yin and the yang as a subtle point here. Balance requires open-hearted, sincere contentment or appreciation or respect for both the yin and the yang, both the much and the little, both the, um, the great and the small, both the many and the few. If you can appreciate both, you really know balance. So, all right, <laughs> moving on. And what? there's two more things, actually, I say about 67 here. Uh, in the final section, through compassion, one can triumph in, a in attack and be impregnable in defense. It's a little unclear to me what's the connection between compassion and successful attack. <laughs> because uh, normally those that are deeply compassionate don't involve themselves in attack, nor a defense. Uh, but you can say that like, when you're having a conversation with your friend or your partner, um, and there's a, a conflict or a disagreement, or they did something you don't like, or you did something they don't like, um, to make sure you get your point heard, you can't be an asshole. You can quote me on that. And so, if you want to be, if you want to be appreciated or, or heard and understood, don't make trouble. It doesn't mean don't talk. It means have compassion, open heart. So, so triumph and attack, while it's totally non-Taoist and there's no sage who's interested in such thing, um, is more appropriately understood as uh, effective communication. <laughs> we certainly want that. Or, meaning, it's not trying to get, but it's trying to, in this case, I would say, it's trying to make a point, trying to 
mm, trying to effect successful effection, effecting. I don't know if effection is a word, but uh, successful action, uh, effective action that achieves something, such as <laughs> getting your point made and understood by the other with whom you have a conflict. Um, one can't do that very well when there's um, a heart chakra blockage, because then the person will hurt. You'll hurt the other, or you'll make trouble and not know it. You don't even know what trouble is. You make it without knowing, and then the action will be not successful. Meaning they won't get your point, or there won't be a possibility of resolving the conflict because you are harming in your desire to um, have successful action or get your point across. Uh, likewise, impregnable in defense. Uh, compassion also is honesty. <laughs> compassion and honesty are, are not separable. They're inseparable, actually. And so there's no great compassion in the dishonest. The dishonest, you know, <laughs> they block fifth ray and fourth ray. So... Uh, if you um, want to um, not be hurt, um, one should be truly clear in how one's living and speaking. Then if someone attacks, uh, it doesn't really matter at some level. At least I know I'm in the truth. And I know I'm in compassion and truth. And if you can't appreciate and you hate me or you don't like me, all right, so be it. Uh, let's part ways. Or, you know, accept, agree to disagree. And then finally, what heaven protect, what heaven, what heaven succors, succors is to nourish and to um, support. What, what heaven protects, what heaven succors, what heaven loves, what's in harmony with Tao, with the capital D or T, in harmony with, with the Logos, leads to uh, protection or being in harmony with our true path is protective and um, when we're helping others truly um, naturally heart is more developed or so this the protective Ross saying that love is the greatest protection I'm sure Carla would understand that so love as the greatest protection is akin to heaven what heaven succors or protects or, or nourishes is protected by compassion, meaning heaven loves the lovers of humanity. The, the, the lovers of love light are protected with God's love. You know, love God and um, you live, you, you walk in love, higher love, greater love. So, all right, <laughs> moving along, let's go to 68 and see. What's the timing? Um, interestingly, uh, maybe we can pull this in under an hour. All right, Dao De Ching, chapter 68. Seems like time is slower. Arthur Whaley, short chapter. The best charioteers do not rush ahead. The best fighters do not make displays of wrath. The greatest conqueror wins without joining issue meaning uh, joining in the fight. The best user of men acts as though he were their inferior. This is called the the or power, 
that comes of not contending is called the capacity to use men, the secret of being mated to heaven, to what was of old. I'll read Lao. One who excels as a warrior does not appear formidable. One who excels in fighting is never roused in anger. One who excels in defeating his enemy does not join issue. One who excels in employing others humbles himself before them. This is known as the virtue of non-contention. This is known as making use of the efforts of others. This is known as matching the sublimity of heaven. Very nice. So, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, (laughs) the best fighter, never displayed wrath, never rarely roused in anger, um, was the best because he simply wanted to be the best according to his own standards, not to be the best over other. He became the best over other because he never um, settled himself um, without never settled himself without uh, further development. He never stayed at at a level of development but continually practiced and trained and learned and, and continued his development all the way to the end it seems. And so this certainly is deep uh, Chinese philosophy that's associated. We see this in, you know, Sun Tzu, Art of War, so-called. It's a terrible translation. It's not, never, the book was never called Art of War. So, Sun Tzu. But uh, it uh, is shown uh, so the Sun Tzu, you're right, the, the greatest general wins without firing a shot, that kind of thing. So that's deeply Taoist. <laughs> the Taoist influence in Sun Tzu uh, military strategy is uh, profound. <laughs> Taoist influence. So, <clears throat> um, and you see this is very true. Certainly people who do martial arts, uh, generally the people who have the greatest skill and ability don't show it. Uh, they're very stable. There are lots and lots of... uh, There's a whole category of YouTube videos of um, cocky pre-fight fighters interviews and then getting smashed in the ring. (laughs) Getting smashed after cocky pre-fight behavior of one of the two fighters. Uh, Common, common. So... Well, there you go. And um, uh, achievement with the lightest touch. Um, getting what I need. You see, there, there are certain things that, there are certain desires that cannot be accomplished, that cannot be fulfilled if you wish to um, keep harmony with Tao and Dao period. There, there are certain things that, it's like as we progress along the path, there are certain desires that simply depolarize, period. You can't have certain desires and continue positively polarizing um, in some cases. Certain desires like, I desire to, to <laughs> you know, what? Uh, shoot up heroin. 
uh, and see how high I can get. You can't do that and stay alive. You can't have the desire to tell everybody what to do and stay in love, wisdom, balance. Period. And so there are certain desires that just just have to be done in the mind or have to be dropped um, naturally over time. And then there are other desires that can be fulfilled and one continues in love, wisdom, or positive polarization or continue in learning, growing. Um, but they have to be um, approached or uh, active, acted upon in, in the right way. And so the charioteer is the one who wishes to progress or the fighter is the wish the one who wishes um, to eliminate a threat you know what's the purpose of fighting right if you like to fight because you're a sadist you're on the negative path or you'll depolarize and you'll die and go to hell literally and so if you like to hurt people you will die and go to hell uh, meanwhile um, if you wish to eliminate a genuine threat um, you have to know the right way to do it. <laughs> and the Taoist approach is um, very effective. I mean, you know, everything depends on situation and skill uh, and spiritual maturity. <laughs> so the conqueror wants to conquer and the fighter wants to fight or wants to eliminate threat. Um, all of that is about defeating an enemy, but it's really, you know, if you want to defeat, why do you want to defeat an enemy. Why do you even call him an enemy? Is he an enemy? There are those who think, you know, I'm their enemy. If someone says, if someone feels you are their enemy, then you can say he's your enemy. But if somebody doesn't consider consider you an enemy, should it rightly? Should you rightly consider that person your enemy? So, even that uh, is a matter of um, spiritual maturity, perspective, perception, attitude. Um, how clearly we see. And so, uh, <clears throat> then there's, what do you want, really, defeating your enemy? Well, how about the, how about just eliminating threat? you got to make sure there really is a threat. <laughs> their existence may not be a threat, but their activity may be a genuine threat. Their activity may be a threat that's actually far less potent than you think it is. <laughs> ah, so then the way of eliminating the genuine threat, which is honestly assessed as actually minor, not major, uh, is a certain approach. But seeing the magnitude of the threat um, is very important. Number one, is he really an enemy? Number two, is there really a threat? Number three, what's the magnitude of the threat? If it's really a minor threat, actually very subtle means can eliminate very minor threats. And in fact, it can be so minor a threat that it's really indeed not a threat. And so why needs to fight anything? <laughs> so much conflict is eliminated intrapsychically within one's mind and interpersonally with others and in society or relation to groups by a clear assessment of the magnitude of threat, clear assessment of the so-called threat, and in many cases it can be recognized that in fact there's no threat, and if there is, in fact it's really quite minor.
Therefore, in fact, actually, I don't need to do much. And this is all takes a lot of achievement. It's like Bruce Lee knows these things, of course, um, and he's teaching, I'm sure. So, uh, seeing clearly eliminates threat. <laughs> uh, proper assessment eliminates threat, or mitigates threat, or reduces threat, or reduces vulnerability. Clear seeing reduces vulnerability. How about that? And so, um, whether you want to be a best user of men, I mean, that's such a terrible <laughs> translation. That's not what it means. It actually it means um, one who collaborates well with others, who is um, harmoniously collaborative, harmoniously has others collaborative, harmoniously enjoying others' collaboration or working together, cooperation, uh, or helps others uh, fulfill one's desires, which obviously would have to be <laughs> on the up and up or on of a certain quality to continue on the positive path. Uh, the one who well, works well with others in fulfillment of righteous or reasonable desires and um, makes win-win acts as though he were their inferior well not necessarily in a rigid way um, humbles himself before them um, it's basically takes the position of the receptive takes the yin position again and again and again Taoist philosophy counsels that if you're going to hold on to anything, hold to the female, hold to the yin, hold to the receptive. <clears throat> uh, do the yang by the yin. Do your yang by yin. Do your action by mm, peace. <laughs> Act peacefully. Uh, speak uh, silently. <laughs> like that. Speak silently or um, live lightly with light. So some things like that. One can reflect on that and get more clear. Uh, the secret of being made it to heaven. Matching the sublimity of heaven. And um, living in accord with the logos. Living in accord with green, blue, indigo. That's what we're talking about. So um, it, it makes a perfect correlation to understanding soul evolution from raw, raw material, law of one perspective. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, I think that's all we'll do for today. And um, if I can make a habit of <laughs> talking for confining my talks to an hour in 2020, that would be nice too. So, the virtue of non-contention. Matching the sublimity of heaven. Uh, that's very nice. And so, much conflict interpersonally with others and then intrapsychically within oneself is eliminated um, when one puts down the cudgel, as Gautama would say, and learns the way of non-aggression. <laughs> you don't want conflict? Learn non-aggression. And that demands compassion or heart chakra activation 
And, of course, Buddhism calls it right speech, right action, right livelihood. Um, and then one is well activating green and blue, and particularly green, blue, indigo. And then one is resonating in harmony with the logos, increasingly. Increasingly resonating in harmony with the logos. And um, higher self um, takes note and is attentive <laughs> to our efforts in 3D space-time. So, next time in 3D space-time, we'll start with Tao Te Ching chapter 69. We'll do 69, 70, 71. And so, how many more classes? We have 69, 72, 75, 78. That's four. That goes to 85, 81. So I'd say about five more classes. So I'd say um, by Valentine's Day, <laughs> uh, mid-February, after Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, we'll be finished with Tao Te Ching and figure out what's next. But it's a lovely text, and I hope you're enjoying it. I enjoy it too. So, oh, <laughs> there's the static. Anybody want to uh, unmute, say hello, and remute? Ah, is hello. Hello. Thank you. Uh, and that goes, there goes the static. <clears throat> so anyway, how funny. Maybe the uh, uh, surveillance got off the line. Anyway, thank you. Uh, so everybody, thanks for being here. I hope it was helpful. Take good care of yourselves, and good night. <laughs>